0: Merry Christmas, and thanks for joining us for Q Ideas with Gabe Lines. I'm Paul Perot from Faith Radio. For the last four years, Q Ideas and Faith Radio have teamed up to bring you these weekly shows featuring many great Christian thinkers and thought leaders on a variety of topics, but all with the goal to help you stay curious, think well, and advance good. As 2022 approaches, we look forward to another great year of thought-provoking programs. And as we wrap up 2021 in the next week, we want to go back to the very first Q Ideas show featuring a talk With Tim Keller, who frames so much of what Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons is all about. Again, thanks for listening. Here's an encore presentation of the very first Q Ideas radio show.
1: And therefore, lots and lots of non-Christians create cultural artifacts that you can tell, if you know your Bible, are pointing to biblical truth. We're pointing to uh, some of these realities. Meanwhile, every Christian who tries to make culture, to some degree because of our sin, will be distorted. Because the idols of our hearts, because we love money too much, or we love career too much, or we love our, our, our own culture, our own white culture, our own African-American culture too much. Or, In other words, because of the idols of our heart, Our cultural artifacts will always be imperfect. Non-Christians' cultural artifacts will always have something good in them. And to have that nuanced approach to culture is crucial for Christians. You've got to be able to appreciate what's good in everything. And you've got to be non-tranfolistic about what you produce.
2: Welcome to Q Ideas. I'm Gabe Lyons, and I'm so glad you are spending the next half hour with us because we're going to jump into a lot of topics on this show. We're going to get to discuss what's taking place in the world around us and the culture, and we're going to learn to think well about how Christians can engage it. And if you're listening, you know, you're having difficult conversations today. Maybe it's difficult conversations with a child, a teenager. It could be your spouse or wife. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a parent or somebody that you work with. There is no shortage of topics that are dividing many people in America today. And on this show, part of our goal is to equip you, to help you to know how to think well, how to stay curious, and how to advance good. And so the work of Q, and the reason this is named Q Ideas, is Q stands for questions. And over the last 10 years, we've created an organization that's committed to bringing the best thinking on a myriad of topics that are going to help you know how to think well about faith, the church the culture, and society, and how we in general as Christians can be a part of the solution in our communities. You know, One of the things I enjoy is really analyzing research and trying to understand what does that research mean for us as Christians, and what is it saying to us about the way forward. You know, the men of Issachar, we know in Second Chronicles 12.32, said that they understood the times and they knew what to do. You see, understanding the times is so important for us because the times are always changing, and we should always be listening for what is God trying to do right now. I don't believe that God's wringing his hands, looking at American culture, saying, what happened? This isn't what I anticipated. I think instead he's saying, will my church rise up? Will my church engage this moment? Will they understand the times? Will they understand the incredible opportunity we have to share truth, to answer questions, the biggest questions that human beings have always had, but maybe in this moment feel particularly dialed in to a few topics that maybe have been hard to understand? And so one of the fun things that we do as an organization is we host events throughout the year. One is called the Q Conference, and the other is called Q Comments. And at these events, we bring the best and the brightest together to give talks that are nine minutes or 18 minutes on particular issues and very specific topics that we believe aren't critical for Christians to understand. And so today, we're going to start this show by you getting to hear from somebody that's held up by many in American life as a person who in the 21st century has given great leadership to the discussion about what it means to engage culture, and that is Tim Keller. Tim Keller's a prolific author, New York Times bestselling author of many books, probably most famously The Reason for God, and he also leads a church in Manhattan. He and his wife Kathy have lived there since 1989, and they've been engaging in this city through the work of their church. And in doing so, they've learned a lot of lessons, but One of the things people appreciate about Tim, while his vocabulary is immense, is that he really thinks well about theology and how Christians ought to think about their role in the world. And so the talk that he gives is called Why Culture Matters, and so we're going to join him right now and just listen in as he delivers this talk. And you'll find in the middle of the talk, I'll probably interrupt and jump in and have a few thoughts or something to say, and then we'll hear the conclusion, and then towards the end, we'll talk about what we just heard and why it matters to each of us as Christians. So let's listen in to Tim Keller.
1: I'm here to talk to you about why culture matters and what Christians should do about it. Point one What is culture? The Latin word culture meant to not leave nature as it was, but to make something of it. And for many, many years, actually centuries, culture always meant agriculture, horticulture. It meant not leaving nature as it was, uh, not just eating whatever came up out of the ground. It meant actually tilling the ground and planting certain things and and uh, making something of the ground so we ate better. And so for centuries, culture meant... Uh, making something of the actual ground, the the natural world. But then, by the 17th century, culture started getting a broader uh, sense of the word, and it began to mean educated. In the 17th century, people said, we shouldn't leave human beings just the way they are. We shouldn't leave human nature the way it is. We need to expose human beings to uh, literature and philosophy and art. And the idea of higher education and becoming a cultured person comes into being. But by the 20th century, the word culture began to be used in a comprehensive way. And that's how I'm going to use it today and how most people use it today. Sociologists and anthropologists would say that culture is the shared beliefs and values, the shared conventions and social practices of a subgroup or an entire society in which we're taking all the raw material, everything in life, and rearranging it in order to express meaning in order to express what we think is the good, the true, the real, and the important. So, uh, you know, everybody knows when you think of culturing the land, you don't leave the grounds it is. You till it up and you plant and then you eat what comes. But what's music, class? Music is (laughs) taking the raw material of sound and putting it together in such a way that it not only strikes the emotions but actually also becomes... The glue for certain societies. In other words, music is taking the raw material of noise, as it were, of sound, and turning it into something. Not leaving it just as it is, but cultivating it. Or, for example, what are stories or theater? It's taking the raw materials of human experience and fashioning that into narratives. Or, uh, you know, in anything that is a cultural artifact. Let's, let me give you cultural artifacts. Art, obviously. Uh, technology. It's a cultural artifact. You're taking something and making something new out of it. But by the way, legal arguments, medical policies, all stories. A fictional story means I'm taking raw material and I'm rearranging it what? To say something about what I think is true and real and important and good. And therefore, that's really what culture is. Culture is rearranging The material world, the raw materials, in order to say something, in order to express meaning in some way. Now, that's what culture is. James Hunter, by the way, says that culture is the power to define reality. And that's when I, let me get to point two. How do Christians understand culture? What's culture making when it comes to uh, Christian thought? And the answer, of course, is that Christians believe that culture making is taking the raw material that God has made and there's potentials in that raw material, and we're drawing the potentials out, and we're rearranging material for human flourishing and human thriving as God defines it. Now, I'll get back to that in a second, as God defines it. But now, uh, biblically, culture-making is uh, something that biblically is a good thing. Adam and Eve are put into the garden as what? Gardeners. And by the way, all culture-making is basically a form of gardening, when you create music, you're taking the raw material and making it into music. When you create a story, when you create anything, you're taking raw material. Same thing as a, as a garden. You're taking the raw material, and you're tilling it, and you're cultivating it, and you're fertilizing it, and that sort of thing. The original people, Adam and Eve, were gardeners, and that, they, that means they made culture. But if you see, as soon as Adam and Eve pass off the scene in, in Genesis chapter 4, you'll see people making culture. You'll see art and technology, except, of course... It's violent culture because it's, uh, it's culture not under the influence of God, but under the influence of self, and of not the, under the influence of love, but of power. But, of course, even later on in the book, we know uh, the book of the Bible, we know that God, even though culture-making tends to be something that he made human beings to do, and often that culture is destructive, yet God doesn't just raise up his people to be prophets and priests. Who's Daniel? Who's Joseph? Who's Esther? These are people that God raised up and gave them so-called secular jobs. They brought justice and wholeness into a secular field. And so the Bible indicates that culture-making is good. But let's get back to what I just said I was going to get back to. Every single culture is basically, they're rearranging a material in such a way that we express the meaning of things. Every culture is pointing to values. Every culture is saying, this is what's good, this is what's true, this is what's beautiful, this is what's real, this is what's important. And when I say Christians are supposed to make culture, we're supposed to make culture, we're supposed to rearrange things for human flourishing. And by the way, everybody says that. I think I I heard Gabe already say it, that we're here for the common good. We're here for common good. But you realize that that is a loaded term. That is a value-laden term. When anybody says, I want to work for the common good, you need to know that they have a working definition of common good that's based on all sorts of underlying beliefs about what human beings are for, why we're here, where we're going, what's important for human beings to live for. And therefore, we don't agree on what human flourishing is. We don't agree on what the good is. So, for example, I told you that uh, I give you eight examples of cultural artifacts. So, for example, art or technology, uh, creating an organization, or writing a philosophy paper, or a story, or an ad. Every ad is a cultural artifact. Every legal argument, every medical policy, why? Because let me give you nine examples of different cultural understandings of what is good. Some cultures and some cultural artifacts say individual choice and happiness and self-expression is more important than supporting the group or community standard. It's more important that the individual be happy than you support community standards. Other cultures and other cultural artifacts say it's the other way around. The importance is that the individual sublimate his or her self-interest for the good of the family which is it two different views of good or secondly some cultural artifacts tell us that the material world is good some cultures say the material world is an illusion other cultural uh, cultures say the material world is the only reality which is it and i want you to know that all cultural artifacts are they're assuming one of those views or thirdly is sex dangerous and a necessary evil Or is it only for family or community? Or is it a form of self-expression? Is money basically a way for you to get your family up in the world? Or is it a a mode of self-esteem? I mean, put this in the form of questions. Is society basically an aggregation of individuals or of families or of tribes? In other words, what's the basic building block of society? Differing answers, different cultures. different Medicine, law, ads... (laughs) Art, everything's different. Or is history basically moving in a direction of progress? Are things getting better and better? Or um, are things getting worse and worse and we've come down from some golden age? Or is history a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing? Or is it cyclical? Which is it? See, different cultures believe different things about history. And it comes out in all the the cultural products. Or is morality self-authorizing? Basically, does the individual decide what is right or wrong? Or is morality or moral uh, values embedded somehow in the cosmos of the universe, and it's our job to discover them and align ourselves with them? Is human reason sufficient to answer all questions ultimately? Or is it not, and therefore we have to depend on revelation from God or tradition or something like that? You see, our understanding of time, our understanding of art, our understanding of government rationality versus intuition and and experience all these things which is most important every culture is coming down somewhere every cultural artifact is coming down somewhere because culture is rearranging the raw materials of life everything from clothing to food everything from law to medicine everything from art to philosophy and everything is being rearranged in order to express meaning and to say this is good this is true this is beautiful and this is not and I just gave you something like 30 or 40 different views of different things that are the underlying uh, values and beliefs beneath every single culture and every cultural artifact. Christian culture-making is just like any other kind of culture-making except Christians try to discern what is God's view of the relationship between the individual and the community. What is God's view of the family? What is God's view of sex and money and power? What is God's understanding of history? What is God's understanding of rationality? What is God's understanding of identity? What is God's understanding of society? What is God's understanding of morality? And then by getting that sort of deep into our hearts and psyche, you just go out in the world and you do what everybody else does, which is you make culture. Because if you work, you make culture. If you do anything, pretty much, you make culture. That's point two. Point one is what is culture making? What's point two is what is Christian culture making? It's pretty much the same thing, except Christians understand that there are very different views of the common good, and we are seeking to help all human beings thrive, not just us, not just us Christians, but we're doing we we're we're seeking it necessarily in terms of uh, definitions of the good that God gives us. Now, point three, and this is the shortest point by far, should Christians therefore? engage culture should christians try to make culture should christians uh, should christians think that culture making matters and we should try to do it and i think now you know what the answer this is the shortest point the answer is unavoidably christians will be making culture the real question is are you just going to go with the flow are you just going to be doing what everybody else does are you essentially going to be creating culture that is based on non-christian understandings of the good of society of history of identity of morality Or are you going to be really, really thoughtful about it and try to actually uh, let your culture making be influenced by your faith? So the question is not, should Christians make culture? The question is, of course, will they do it well or not?
2: What a great place to pause. In case you just tuned in, this is Q Ideas, and I'm Gabe Lyons, and we're listening to Tim Keller describe why culture matters. There's only a few more minutes left in his talk, but I think he just posed probably one of the most important questions this show will be talking about in the months and the years ahead, which is how should we influence culture? Should Christians even do it? And if so, it better be good. And so as we listen now, let's continue to hear how Tim concludes this talk and inspires us about how Christians can build good
0: culture.
1: Point four, what's the way forward then? If it's unavoidable, and as I think you realize I'm implying, most Christians are not thoughtful about it, in fact, one of the things that's frightening to me is if I go down that list and I say, you know, there's a, you know, Christianity has a different account, for example, of every one of the things that I just said by comparison with secularism, Western secular individualism, and also Christianity is very different than traditional, uh, uh, more hierarchical and communal cultures. Christianity is really rather unique and rather different. Most people gulp because actually they're just out there working and not really thinking so point four is how can we move forward? Here's how we can. Here's four ideas. First of all, I think it's very important to start with that Christians get a nuanced understanding of the mixed nature of all culture and cultural artifacts. Now, I think I, still, I know I can do this quickly, but this might leave some questions in your mind. Nevertheless, I'll try to do it the best I can. Every single culture has got, well, every human being is made in the image of God and has fallen. That's true of Christians and non-Christians. Every human being is made in the image of God, and the Bible says in Romans 1 that we all have some kind of inherent, innate sense of God's reality. Uh, Even those of us who really don't know we believe in God, according to Romans 1, every human being is made in the image of God. We've got some innate goodness and knowledge of of truth and reality, but at the same time, we're all fallen. So even non-Christians are made in the image of God, and even Christians are fallen and sinful. And what that means is that both non Christians and Christians, when they make culture, the cultural artifacts are always mixed. Uh, Romans chapter 1, this is a very famous verse, says this about uh, it's, well, this is verse uh, Romans 1 20. Since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so men are without excuse. But the words being understood and are seen, are present passive participles in the Greek. And what that means is that every human being, even if the people who don't believe in God, as they're making culture, it essentially says that there's a continually fresh, insistent pressure on all human beings, on their consciousness about the reality of God. And therefore, lots and lots of non-Christians create cultural artifacts that you can tell, if you know your Bible, are pointing to biblical truth, are pointing... To uh, some of these realities. Meanwhile, every Christian who tries to make culture, to some degree, because of our sin, will be distorted, because the idols of our hearts. Because we 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 love money too much, or we love career too much, or we love our 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 own culture, our own white culture, our own African American culture too much, or, in other words, because of the idols of our heart, our cultural artifacts will always be imperfect. Non Christians' cultural artifacts will always have something good in them, and to have that nuanced. Approach to culture is crucial for Christians. You've got to be able to appreciate what's good in everything, and you've got to be non-tranfolistic about what you produce. Crucial, critical, number one. Number two, the second thing is you probably need to blend the insights of the main parties that you're going to read about if you're a Christian and you read about Christ and culture. There's the worldview transformationist party, that is tends to be confronting of the culture, saying we have the Christian worldview and you don't. There's the justice, common good party that says we just got to get out there and, and love people and care for the poor. And there's the just build up the church party. That's the important thing is that you build up the church and not get too distracted by culture making. We got to build the church up and we worship and gather and we, we do that. And all three of those, by the way, all three of those views have a lot to say. An extreme version of any one of the three leads to be over-confrontational or over-assimilationist or overly withdrawn. But all three of them have got something important and you need to blend them all together. Thirdly, our cultural products as Christians need to both defy and resonate with the culture. Not only resonate, because then you're just giving in. Not only defy, because nobody will listen to you. You've got to do both. And you know... When, when Friedrich Nietzsche says, and he argues constantly, that great philosopher, that if you believe in human rights, and if you believe you need to care for the poor, and if you believe in the equality of every human being, he says, then whether you know it or not, you're a Christian. You may say you don't believe in God, but you're a Christian. If there is no God, and the universe is impersonal, and uh, we all got here just by eating uh, one another, the strong eating the weak, It's just crazy to think that if if we're just the product of evolution, that we should love one another. One Russian philosopher said, this is the way a lot of secular people reason. Man descended from apes, therefore let us love one another. And Nietzsche says, there can't be a God. If there's no God, then human rights don't work. But most people are going to say human rights do work, and therefore you can say, you've got something that I resonate with. I believe in human rights too. Here's where it comes from. One last thing. We can make culture because God has made the world to be remade by culture makers. Mark Knoll, in his book, uh, Scandal the Evangelical Mind, puts it like this. Who formed the world of nature, which provides the raw material for physical sciences? Who formed the universe of human interactions, which is the raw material of politics, economics, sociology, and history? Who is the source of all harmony, form, and narrative pattern, which is the raw material for art? Who is the source of the human mind, which is the raw material for philosophy and psychology, and who, moment by moment, maintains the connection between our minds and the world beyond our minds, God did, God does. Christianity gives us the reason that culture-making works and a motivation to do it. Thank you very much.
2: Well, you've just been given a little bit of a taste of what it's like to hear Tim, but also to hear big ideas discussed. And that's part of the goal here is to have a place where you can tune in every week and really listen to some of the leaders and how they're thinking about not only culture-making, but what does it mean for you? What does it mean for the kind of conversations you're trying to have with your neighbors, with your friends, with your church leaders, with pastors in your community who are trying to engage well in a culture that we know is more contentious than ever?
0: Thanks again for listening to this very special encore presentation of the very first Q Ideas with Gabe Lines radio show. If you've never heard before, it really does summarize the heartbeat of Q Ideas. Tim has been a longtime friend of Gabe and his team, and you can see this and other talks that Tim has done at the various Q events through the years on the Q Media platform at Qideas.org. And remember, you can request a free 30 day trial subscription. Also, Please keep Tim Keller and his wife Kathy in your prayers as Tim continues his fight against stage 4 pancreatic cancer. Looking into the new year, remember the 2022 Culture Summit is coming up this spring in Nashville, April 28th and 29th. And while, yes, there will be a virtual component, there's nothing like actually being there in person and interacting with others around many of the topics and issues impacting our communities and our nation. Learn more and register at QIdeas.org slash CS2022. Again, that's QIdeas.org slash CS2022. Thanks again for joining us for Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. On behalf of Gabe and his team, I'm Paul Perot. Again, wishing you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We hope you listen again next week.